goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you are having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Monday, February 19th, and it is a blizzard outside. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I had to dig my car out this morning to get home. I had to dig my car out of the snow. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Uh, we're watching the NBA All-Star Game last night. People, people felt like the NBA glorified L.A. Oh, let me tell you, I would love, I would love to be living in L.A. right now. I would give anything for some sun. Oh, my goodness. Uh, L.A. is great. Uh, in all honesty, L.A. is awesome if you have money. Uh, but so are a lot of places. I'm sure L.A. is great. I'm sure New York is awesome. I've been to San Francisco. I love San Francisco. But even a beach town in the Caribbean sounds like a great place to live. I'll tell you what, though, I've never met anybody from Cleveland who said that that was the greatest place in the world to live. Because people last night said that L.A. was the greatest place to live in the entire world. I've never heard anyone from Cleveland say that. I think it's funny. I'm flipping through channels last night. and My options are like there's the Daytona 500, college basketball, college basketball in February. I don't care. The Olympics and poker. I'm like, Awful, awful, awful. The NBA All-Star Game was the second best thing uh, available to watch last night. And it was a close game. It was real, there was real defensive effort yesterday in the NBA All-Star Game. I'm sure everybody said that. Everybody's talked about that. But man, I love TNT. I love their broadcasts. And it's funny, Kenny pointed out that the difference was there were contested shots. It wasn't that there was a bunch of effort. It was shots were being contested in the NBA All-Star Game. But it was really fun. It was enjoyable to watch. It ended with a big defensive play, which is really weird. I mean, there were tons of fouls. There was effort put out. People seemed like they wanted to win. It was like a real pickup game at a rec center where it like, actually somewhat mattered. Now, ultimately, I did check out at halftime. I went and saw Black Panther, but it, it was good. I really liked it. I, I enjoyed what I watched of the NBA All-Star game. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. But now here, here's what I think. I still believe there was a huge a huge missed opportunity last night in the NBA All-Star Game. What I really would have loved to see, this is what would have made the NBA All-Star Game a complete game changer. I really wanted to see the NBA All-Star Game draft televised. I would have loved to see LeBron and Steph Curry making their decisions for their teams. I want to see them pick their teams live on television. And it's funny, the reason why the NBA doesn't do this, the NBA doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> like, okay, so I'm watching this yesterday, and they literally put the 10 guys, uh, the five teams from Team Steph, the five teams, uh, the five people from Team LeBron, they literally put the 10 starters in the All-Star game on a pedestal. They put them up above everybody else on a pedestal. How do you think that made Damian Lillard feel? Damian Lillard is not a starter in the All-Star game. Uh, I, I think he was fine because that's reality. Damian Lillard is not one of the 10 best players in the NBA. <laughs> they don't want to hurt their feelings. We're not going to televise it because we don't want to hurt their feelings. Let's deal in reality. Whatever Damian Lillard felt, knowing he wasn't a starter in the NBA All-Star game, it's the same exact thing he would have felt if he was picked like 17th overall because he is like maybe the 17th best player in the NBA. Look, I would love, this is what I love. This is what I would want to see with the NBA All-Star Game. I really, really badly want to see right before the game. Instead of that long intro, Kevin Hart did a great job. But instead of the long intro, like 
introducing all the players, all this boring stuff. Can we just get right to business, have captain one, captain two, shoot for ball or something? Team LeBron. LeBron's like first captain, Steph Curry's second captain. Can we do like a backyard, schoolyard, we pick for teams, and we just pick our teams right then and there? That I would love to see. And you just make two jerseys. Just give have a, jersey, a black jersey and a white jersey for each player, and if you get picked by LeBron, you get a black jersey. If you get picked by Steph Curry, you get the white jersey. It's not that complicated. That is what I would love to see. And if you're picked last, if like Bradley Beal is the last person picked in the NBA All-Star game, deal with it. Like, why are we, why are we holding everybody's hands? Oh, no. I don't want to hurt this, guy, this guy's feelings. He makes $26 million a year. We have to be delicate with his feelings. I don't care. I want good television. Again, they're making $28, $34 million a year. They can handle it. They'll be fine. Oh, man, I, I did enjoy the game. It was it was really awesome. Uh, and, and the truth is, with the NBA All Star Game, the reason I I think the truth behind why they don't televise the the picking of the teams, they don't want to damage either LeBron James or Steph Curry's image. But I think the way you solve that again is by making it live right before the game. How can you criticize it when it's happening live in front of you? It's just like how many times did you growing up pick a team? at recess or whatever it is you never were mad at anybody it would never like oh your feelings were i just i don't think it would reflect poorly on lebron i think maybe that's what they're afraid of it was better the nba all-star game was definitely better than it was before um you know i i have maybe one last thing nobody's talking about this victor oladipo leaves russell westbrook and becomes an all-star last year he played with russell westbrook in oklahoma city and all we heard was Russell Westbrook's all alone. Russell Westbrook has no help. Well, they trade Victor Oladipo to the Pacers. And then Victor Oladipo goes from one of Russell Westbrook's teammates to an all-star. And he, I even asked one of my buddies about this. I said, hey, dude, like, what do you feel? Does this reflect poorly on Russell Westbrook that he's so, he works so poorly with people that when they leave him, everybody gets better? My friend goes, well. And ultimately, he couldn't come up with an answer. James Harden left Russell Westbrook, MVP candidate. And Kevin Durant left. He's more efficient, won a championship. Victor Oladipo left, and he became an all-star. I'm just pointing out a weird trend that uh, reflects poorly on Russell Westbrook. People leave Russell Westbrook, and they get better. Traditionally, we've now seen it over and over and over again. There was a couple other funny moments at the All-Star game. Um, There was a moment where Kevin Hart, who did a great job, you don't realize how hard that introduction must have been to go through all that. That's a lot of prep. That's a lot of work. Kevin Hart killed it, and he was trying to introduce uh, Giannis, the Greek freak, and he goes, Giannis, Anse, Anse, you know what? I can't say your last name. And As a a broadcaster, I I completely understand. I'm never going to try to say Giannis' last name. He, he plays in Milwaukee. He's called the Greek Freak. He's Giannis. I can't say his last name. It starts with an A, and I will never try. Never, ever. I already get enough crap for saying, like, Tua's last name wrong. I'm not even try with Giannis. Now, the music at the NBA All-Star Game all around was awful. I don't want to go too far into it. The National Anthem. <laughs> I, saw, I saw the, oh, my God, I saw the best video uh, from the national anthem of the NBA All-Star Game, and it was everyone reacting to it while they watched it. 
jeez, man. And then halftime was like terrible. Halftime was like, what is it, it was Pharrell with like golden blonde hair dancing with mascots and it like Muppets basically. It was ridiculous. I was like, this is horrendous, horrendous television. Uh, but but uh, you know, I gotta say, despite everything, I enjoyed the game. The All-Star game was awesome. It was kind of a celebration of LeBron, is what it really felt like. LeBron had the, he's been very vocal about how the All-Star game isn't very good. And they improved it. It was better. I enjoyed the NBA All-Star game. I'll be honest. I debated even watching the NBA All-Star game. I, I didn't finish it. Uh, and and I let alone talking about it. So I debated watching it. I definitely did not think I would talk about it at all. But I actually, I thought it was quite interesting. And I, I thought, hopefully I've made it interesting. There's a couple tidbits I got from the All-Star game that I thought were worth talking about. Uh, but it's really all about perspective. If you hate what I have to say about the All-Star game, if you just hate the All-Star game in general... Next year, I won't talk about the NBA All-Star Game. But I, did, I do think there were some things that were pretty interesting uh, about the NBA All-Star Game this season. Oh, today's podcast is absolutely packed. My goodness. It, it's later than I wanted. I wanted to get the show out by 1 o'clock. It is now, I mean, it's 7.43 p.m. So clearly, I did not meet the deadline. What happened was I realized, you know, I'm not going to get the show out by 1 o'clock. So if I'm not going to meet my deadline, might as well just make it the best podcast I've ever done in my life. And I pretty, you know, I had the show mostly prepped last night. And then I started writing and I was like, man, I have so much more to say than what I had prepared. And I just went off. I wrote a bazillion pages. And if you don't know the way I do the podcast, I write a ton in this notebook. Then I translate it into bullet points on my pieces of paper. And that's how I do the podcast. It's, it's pretty simple. I mean, I don't know. I, I enjoy the process of writing and creating. And this is easily the longest podcast I will ever make and probably have ever made in my life. It's awesome. It's fantastic. It is packed, jam-packed full of a ton of stories. We're going to start with this. We're going to talk about there was new information that came to light about why the New England Patriots, or not even why, just there was new information that surfaced about the Patriots benching Malcolm Butler during the Super Bowl. I'm going to talk about, I wrote a lot about the Browns this morning. Uh, people are, I got a lot of comments about the Browns. It kind of triggered me. So I, I wanted to talk about the Cleveland Browns in depth. We we're going to go have a deep dive into the Cleveland Browns and their offseason, kind of what they're doing. We're going to talk a lot about the 49ers, why the 49ers are the number one free agent destination. I'm also going to address, I talk about the 49ers a lot. I'm going to address why I do that in this podcast. I'm going to talk about Nick Foles. I can admit when I'm wrong. And I still don't think Nick Foles is the franchise quarterback I would want. But I did get some things wrong about him around the Super Bowl time. And I'm going to revisit Nick Foles, get that right. Uh, we're going to talk about Josh Allen, Johnny Manziel. Talk about why I hate March Madness. Is LeBron going to go to the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers? We'll talk about that. A lot of interesting stuff coming up. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. You can also find my short, like, best, most interesting clips, about four or five-minute clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. You guys are killing it. Oh, my goodness. We're going like crazy. We just got to 475 subscribers this morning. Literally a week ago, I was excited because we got to 400. So we are just growing and growing and growing, and it is because of you guys. Like, you guys are sharing the heck out of this podcast, and I love it. I love growing. I love making this. It's my favorite thing in the world. So continue to tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. All right. All right, all right. I want to start with this. 
The New England Patriots safety Devin McCourty came out and said before the Super Bowl, everybody in their locker room, everybody in the Patriots locker room knew that Malcolm Butler was not going to start in the Super Bowl. And I'm sure everybody's coming out and having all kinds of wild opinions. I'm sure many talk show hosts have talked about it today. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm good. I, mean, I have plenty of stuff to talk about. I don't need to beat this to death. I, I really don't. And mostly this is a non-story to me. I, I, for the most part, I'm like, yeah, the Patriots knew he wasn't going to start. That's how football teams work. Like, who cares? Who cares? The problem with the Malcolm Butler situation was not that Malcolm Butler didn't start in the Super Bowl. What was weird to me was that Bill Belichick didn't seem to adjust when his team needed him to. I mean, the Eagles were moving the ball up and down the field in the Super Bowl, and Malcolm Butler didn't play one single defensive snap the entire game. And remember, leading up to the Super Bowl, all season long, Malcolm Butler played 98% of the Patriots' defensive snaps. In the Super Bowl, he didn't play one defensive snap. That's weird. What that seems like is a failure to adjust. If it's not going wrong, oh, if it's everything's failing, we'll change something, do something to try and make this better. And the fact that Bill Belichick didn't even try Malcolm Butler, like maybe Malcolm Butler would have been awful, but maybe he would have been the solution to the problem, some of the problems the Patriots were having on defense. And the fact that he didn't even try, it's weird. I don't care that Malcolm Butler didn't start. That's not the story. The story was the weirdness and the fact that he didn't play at all in the Super Bowl. Not once. That's weird to me. I compared Bill Belichick to George Lucas. The reason why Phantom Menace, the reason why Star Wars, the Phantom Menace was God awful was because George Lucas had absolute control. There was no one challenging him. There was no one telling George Lucas, hey, uh, Jar Jar Binks is a terrible idea. And it seems like no one was telling Bill Belichick, hey, uh, we have this guy who's really good. He won us the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. He plays 98% of our snaps. Can we maybe consider uh, maybe consider playing Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl? That's what's weird to me. Not the fact that he didn't start. I don't care that he didn't start. The, the weirdness, the story here is Bill Belichick failed to adjust. Now, right before the NBA All-Star Game, the ESPN 30 for 30, two Bills was on. It's about Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells. And I mean, it was really crazy. It was both very clear that they have immense love and respect for each other. Bill Belichick and Bill Barcells, man, they, it was fun to watch them on camera. They really do like each other. It was really cool. But Bill Belichick talks about Bill Parcells in a clip. And Bill says, it was interesting how after the 1983 season, Bill Parcells stopped trying to be friends with players. He was going to demand a lot and they won't like him, but it's what we needed to do to win. So I don't I don't think Bill Belichick was being petty when he didn't play Malcolm Butler. I think Bill Belichick actually believed he was doing the right thing. Bill Belichick does whatever it takes to win. I don't think Bill Belichick would have gotten so caught up in being petty that he wasn't going to play a guy who would actually help him win a Super Bowl. I don't think that's where Bill Belichick was coming from. The truth is, none of us have any idea. We're all just speculating. But if I had to speculate, I would think if Bill Belichick thought Malcolm Butler was going to help him win a Super Bowl, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Bill Belichick would have played Malcolm Butler. 
So Bill Belichick must have known something we did not because obviously Malcolm Butler didn't play and obviously the Patriots defense was awful in the Super Bowl. But I really am. I'm going to give Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt. The two Bills documentary, the ESPN 30 for 30, offered me a new perspective on Josh McDaniels. Actually, it was it was interesting. I, I watching the way Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells dealt with coaching, like, like movement and decisions in their career, helped educate me on maybe why Josh McDaniels did what he did. Bill Belichick was once. Uh, he left the opportunity to be the Jets head coach. He left that opportunity to be the Patriots head coach. And the reason he did that was because of a bad owner. The, the owner of the Jets died. It was, everything was kind of up in the air and Bill Belichick walked away and said, you know what? I'm going to walk away. I'm going to go where the Patriots have an owner in place, have a good owner that I like and respect. Jim Ursay, the Colts owner, is known around the league, openly known, everyone kind of, the, the, the agreed consensus is Jim Ursay, the Colts owner, is kind of a wacky, crazy man. He's not, he's not well thought of when it comes to, like, he says weird stuff. He really does. He's kind of a crazy man in the NFL. Is it possible? Is it at all possible? Josh McDaniels may simply have wanted better ownership. Could that have been it? Just food for thought. Maybe Josh McDaniels realized, hmm, I'm making a deal with the NFL's crazy owner. Seems like a bad idea. That doesn't necessarily mean that the reason why Josh McDaniels stayed in New England was because he was promised to be the next head coach of the Patriots. We don't know what was said behind closed doors. Maybe he was promised to be the next coach. Maybe he wasn't. We don't know. But I know this. Bill Belichick was fired from Cleveland. Maybe Josh McDaniels just wanted to work with better ownership because Josh McDaniels has already been a head coach in the NFL. Josh McDaniels failed in Denver. And it's very possible that Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft sat him down and they talked to Josh McDaniels. It's possible that what they said was, look, man, you've only got one, one chance left. You got one chance to be a head coach again. If you're going to do it, do it with the right people. Don't do it with Jim Ursay, the NFL's crazy owner. Is that possible at all? I think it's I think it's highly possible. I have no idea. I'm speculating. But maybe he said, "Look, if you're going to do it again, make sure you get it right. Do it with the right people because you may only get one shot at being a head coach ever again." I don't know. But maybe that's what Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick told Josh McDaniels. We don't know that he was promised to be the next head coach. It could have just been, hey, you want to work with a good owner. You really do. I've worked with bad people. I've had bad management. You know, I've actually, I've worked with both. I had a great manager at one of my jobs and I had a, a horrendous manager at the other. One experience was exponentially better because my owner and my boss was awesome. He trusted me. He gave me a lot of uh, responsibility and it it made my life so much better to work with good people. Uh, you know, I, I got a little bit of criticism last week. I, you guys were respectful. You guys are, I mean, for the most part, people who watch this channel are, are awesome. I, I really appreciate it. Even when you guys disagree with me, you disagree with me respectfully. You say why, and it's fun. I, I enjoy it a lot. 
I, I got a comment that said something to the lines of this. It said, I like you, but why do you talk about the 49ers so much? First of all, I don't, I don't think I talk about the 49ers that much. I, I you know, I, I take, I, I leave out a lot of 49er stories. I talk about the 49ers about one topic, a podcast. Because there are a lot of things I leave on the table. There are a lot of, of stories about the 49ers. I'm like, mm, you know, nah, nah, I'm good. But again, I do try to include at least one 49ers topic per podcast. And there are three reasons why I do this. There are three reasons why I try to include one 49ers topic per podcast. The first reason is this. If you're not a 49ers fan, uh, I believe the 49ers are still nationally relevant. I simply believe the 49ers are the next big thing in the NFL. We talk about LeBron all the time. We talk about the Patriots all the time because they're nationally relevant. I think that is the trend the 49ers are on. I think the 49ers are the next big thing in the NFL. Second reason is this. It's pretty obvious. 75, 80% of my audience is 49ers fans. Is, are, I don't know how to speak English. Uh, but so again, the reason I try to include one topic about the 49ers per podcast is because that's the people that watch my show. The people that watch my show want to hear about the 49ers. So I'm like, you know what? I'll give the people what they want. Here you go. I, I try to be interesting. Even when I talk about the 49ers, I try to be interesting. I try to appeal to everyone. So even if you're not a 49ers fans, the 49ers focused topics still work for you. Cause I think it's, it's interesting to hear about life and my comparisons, yada, yada. And the third reason why I try to talk about the 49ers at least once a podcast is the 49ers and the Browns are personally, to me, in my opinion, I find the 49ers and the Browns so, so fascinating. Like to me, the process of rebuilding an NFL franchise is fascinating. I love it. And I love comparing the approaches. I love comparing the approach of the 49ers uh, and the contrast in comparison to the Browns. One is a mess, a dumpster fire. One is a team that's kind of seems like it's turning it around. And, and I hope I want both the Browns and the 49ers to be successful. So I talk about them, both of them a lot because I, I like them. I, 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 I'm rooting for them. I'm fascinated by them. I think their off seasons are incredibly interesting. So I do. I talk about the 49ers about once a podcast, hopefully, maybe more sometimes. But there's, it's, it's for many reasons. It's again, I think they're nationally relevant. Most of my audience wants to hear about the 49ers. And I personally just find the Browns and the 49ers incredibly fascinating and interesting. All right. So NFL.com's, uh, it's either Adam Sheen or Adam Shine. I don't know how to say his name. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's spelled S-C-H-E-I-N, you know, figured out. But I will say, Adam, Adam, you do great work. If you're watching this, I hope you're not. I butchered your last name. Adam does great work. Adam made a list for NFL.com, a list about uh, the best free agent destinations this offseason in the NFL. And you guessed it, the 49ers are number one on the list for many obvious reasons. First of all, the 49ers have a quarterback. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo very easily could be the second best quarterback in the entire NFC, second only to Aaron Rodgers. I think that highly of Jimmy Garoppolo. He is unreal. Second, San Francisco is a warm weather city. They have great weather. I would love to live in San Francisco. But more important than either of the more important than the weather is the 49ers are building something. 
You want to be a part of the 49ers because they are building a culture, a winning culture, and they are on the rise. And the most important thing, so it goes quarterback, then about to win, weathers matters too, but the most important thing for the 49ers, they have a ton of cap space. If you're a free agent, the 49ers can offer you a lot of money, and money means a lot to people. It really does. So the 49ers are, for many obvious reasons, in my opinion, again, the number one free agent destination in the NFL. The second on the list was the Houston Texans, and I agree with this as well. I do. The the Houston Texans, did I say 49ers? The Houston Texans have a ton of cap space. They have stability at coach. They just re-signed Bill O'Brien for another longer contract. And again, they have a quarterback. They have Deshaun Watson, who was the best rookie quarterback by far. He was easily, easily rookie of the year, on track to break every rookie record at passing until he tore his ACL. Deshaun Watson is the future of the NFL, not just the Texans. It's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and Deshaun Watson atop the NFL in the coming years. Deshaun Watson is the future, and they are building something in Houston. There's a very good reason why the Houston Texans are the number two free agent destination in the NFL. Now, the the third team on the list is where I start and and begin to disagree. So Adam had the Cardinals ranked third on his list, and I disagree with this wholeheartedly. No, 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 no. (laughs) Like Arizona has warm weather, and that's about it. There's not much. They have no hope of winning anytime soon. They have no quarterback, I'll give I'll give them one thing. They did sign their head coach, Steve Wilkes, through 2022, but he's a defensive-minded head coach, and you need a quarterback, and I don't know how a defensive-minded head coach helps a young quarterback. I don't know. Um, but, man, like, they have no hope of winning in Arizona. Again, no quarterback, and their division's incredible. The NFC West is jam-packed. You have the Seahawks, the Rams, the 49ers, Two of those three teams could play in the Super Bowl next year if they get their stuff figured out. And the Seahawks could be a playoff team. Like, dude, there was no hope of the 49er of the Cardinals winning any time soon. The Arizona Cardinals are screwed. They're not a free agent destination. They can pay you in sunshine, and that's about it. The fourth team on the list I also disagree with. The fourth team on Adam's list was Green Bay. Just no. No. The... Green Bay Packers are not. They are not a free agent destination. Trust me, I live in a cold, tiny little town. It sucks. You don't want to live somewhere that's tiny with a bunch of snow. It's not fun. I I mean, I I like it. I'm happy. Don't get me wrong. But I would trade Pullman, Washington for San Francisco easily. Like, easily. I I can't imagine anybody who has like over a million dollars why would you want to live in Green Bay? I I, I just I, I don't see it. I don't think it's not a, it's not a free agent destination. No matter how good your quarterback is, the the Packers may have Aaron Rodgers, but that's not enough. That's not enough because there are other teams with good quarterbacks that have a much better situation to live in. Let's see, Oakland, 
at Oakland, the Raiders, San Francisco 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo. They have better weather. And again, the Raiders are a great option. The Raiders have John Gruden, a new coach, Garrett Carr, warmer weather, whether they're in Vegas or Oakland. If you sign with the Raiders, you're getting a better life experience than if you live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. No offense to small towns. I live in one. I like it. I'm happy. But man, five millions of dollars. I really can't see myself living here. I just, nope. I would rather sign with the Chargers than the Green Bay Packers. And the Chargers are not a great destination either, but they're better than Green Bay. I know the Chargers are in LA and they will still get free agents simply because it's LA and people want to live in LA. But the Chargers have an aging quarterback. They're by far the fourth best team in their division. You're in their division with the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Broncos are about to get a quarterback. And once the Broncos get a quarterback... It's over. The Broncos are going to be incredible. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. I I would not want to go to the Chargers. The Chargers don't have hope. I, the Chargers don't have a lot of hope. They're coming to the end of an era with Phillip Rivers, and there's not a lot of hope for their future. Now, the Bears and the Lions are also on this list. Uh, I'll say I'd rather live in Chicago than Detroit. Both are cold. You know, Chicago and Detroit are both in the Midwest, and they both have new head coaches. So, you know, good I will say the the Lions have a better quarterback but the 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 Bears are building a quarterback the the point is the Bears and the Lions are kind of their middle like boring free agent opportunities it's like why would you go there there's not a ton of money there there's they do have quarterbacks but they're not gonna make the playoffs probably next year so I don't know I just think that the Lions and the Bears are not great options they're like they're good they're fine like you're settling if you go there now we have the Browns and there's a, if you're going to choose the Browns, you're choosing a philosophy. Because when you decide between the Browns or the Broncos or the 49ers, what you're deciding between is, do you want to win or do you want money? Now, if the Browns can land Kirk Cousins, that does change things because then the Browns have significantly more hope. They could bring in more free agents if the Browns can get Kirk Cousins. But you're still selling your soul for a lot of money. If I'm a free agent, the Texans have good money. The Raiders have good money. The 49ers have good money. I'll take good money over great money with the opportunity to win. Because quality of life still matters. I want to win. I want to compete. I want to play in the playoffs. I love winning. I don't like losing. And I would rather take good money to have a chance to win a Super Bowl or make the playoffs than great money and be miserable. Just my opinion. My opinion, I think people agree though. So I want want to stick with the Cleveland Browns because there are people out there, there are people who actually believe that the Browns do not need a quarterback. There are people that say the Browns should not draft a quarterback because we have Deshaun Kaiser. Sean Kaiser? Sean Kaiser was terrible in college. Deshaun Kaiser is terrible in the NFL. This is the comment that got me, though. I said that the Cleveland Browns should draft a quarterback number one overall. And this commenter said this. He said seven of the 20 quarterbacks who have been picked number one overall. Only seven of those 20 quarterbacks have ever made it to a Super Bowl. First of all, I actually count eight. I think he missed Drew Bledsoe, but I, I shouldn't go there. You can, nick, you can nitpick me all day. 
But I do have a couple responses to this comment that says, again, seven of the 20 number one overall picks at quarterback did not make a Super Bowl. Seven of the 20 number one overall picks at quarterback did not make a Super Bowl. So many people can argue that the Browns should build a defense. And I agree. The Browns do need to build their defense. My belief is the way to win a Super Bowl, you get a quarterback and you get a defense and then you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. But you need a quarterback. Last season, the Eagles won without a stellar quarterback. But guess what? Their quarterback played like a stellar quarterback. Nick Foles played fantastic. So you can say, oh, we don't need a quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Uh, You do. Nick Foles played incredible. Did you watch the NFC Championship? Did you watch the Super Bowl? Because Nick Foles killed it. I mean, (laughs) Nick Foles made the Patriots allow more yards than we've ever seen them give up before. And, And you can argue, well, Case Keenum made it to the Final Four and Blake Bortles made it to the Final Four. Those teams made it to the end because their quarterbacks were playing well. Case Keenum played incredible. Blake Bortles played really, really well down the stretch. The Broncos are an example of a team with a great defense and no quarterback. And guess what? The Broncos didn't make the playoffs. So uh, Browns fans that have that belief, we don't need a quarterback. We should build our defense. It's a terrible, terrible idea. It's proven to not work. Proven to not work. The 49ers are example enough. Look at what happened when the 49ers got a quarterback. Bam. Everything changed. Everything changed. You get the right quarterback, solves your problems. Right there. The problem is that the Browns are cheap. They won't, they won't spend an early pick on a quarterback. They wait till like the 23rd overall pick. Pick Brandon Whedon or Brady Quinn or Johnny Manziel. Yeah, of course those guys aren't panning out. How many quarterbacks have the Browns passed over that have been fantastic? Most recently, I think of Deshaun Watson. Browns had a chance to get Deshaun Watson. They said, ah, we're good. We're going to take a defensive end. Because he won you a lot of games. Oh, by the way, wait wait a minute. Uh, He didn't. Yeah, Miles Garrett didn't win you any games. In fact, the Browns went 0-16. The second question everyone said. So so this guy commented that the Browns should not draft a number one overall pick at quarterback. Because seven of the 20 quarterbacks who've been picked number one overall, seven of those guys have never made a Super Bowl. My question is, why are Browns fans worried about a Super Bowl? Like, seriously, why? How about you win literally one game? How about the Browns worry about winning one game first? One step at a time. You're getting way ahead of yourselves. Way ahead of yourselves. I I have a ton of goals for strong opinion sports. I want to make this show a live show. I want to have a phone line so people can call in. I want to hire my buddy to be a producer so we can, again, put this show live on Twitch and other places. But first thing is first, I have to build an audience. Once I have a big enough audience where I'm making $2,000 a month, two grand a month, then I can start ramping things up and do more with this. But until I'm there, I can't do anything else. Until you do the first step, you can't do the 15th step. Why in the world are Browns fans worried about a Super Bowl? Again, how about you win one game? How about you make the playoffs? 
Once you do that, then you can think about the playoffs. The Browns are the losingest franchise in NFL history. They just need to fix their program a little bit. Because winning a lot of games and making the playoffs, that's a significant improvement over 0-16. Is the goal not to just not go 0-16? Or is the goal to... I, like, I, you're getting way ahead of yourselves if you're a Browns fan talking about a Super Bowl. How about you be realistic and worry about winning at all? Just saying. I said last week the Browns should not draft Saquon Barkley number one overall. I said the Browns should draft a quarterback. Because if you want a quarterback, you should draft the quarterback you want so you don't miss out on him. You never know what's going to happen before you can draft your guy. The Browns want Sam Darnold, but they pick Saquon Barkley and the Bills swoop in and take Sam Darnold. You're screwed. You don't get the guy you want. You have this amazing opportunity. You have the number one overall pick and you can select whoever you want. And you need a quarterback. You need badly a quarterback. And you're not going to pick a quarterback? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Someone commented this. They said, if you're the Browns, is there really a difference between Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and Josh Allen? There sure as hell better be. If you're the Browns, who the Browns get to interview, forget what's on paper. On paper, they're, you know, on paper, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen. On paper, they're all three franchise quarterbacks. Great. Fine. Forget what's on paper. The Browns get to interview and talk to and get to know these guys in person. You should know what guy you want. If you're the Browns and you've had conversations with all of these guys and you have no idea which one you want, <laughs> you're, you're terrible coaches and you need to leave. Get out of here. Come on, guys. Of course, there's a difference if you're the Browns between Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen. Of course there are. You know them personally. You can't, like if I was hiring someone, I'm like, oh, they're all the same on paper. I'm not going to interview them because uh, terrible, terrible decision. If you get to know people in person, you definitely have a preference. You definitely have someone you're like, that's the one I want. <laughs> I just... Now, let's be clear. The best case scenario for the Cleveland Browns is that they're able to sign Kirk Cousins in the offseason. If the Cleveland Browns can sign Kirk Cousins, it changes everything for them. Because if you can sign Kirk Cousins, you're guaranteed a quarterback who can play at a high level, which is more than you can guarantee for Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. We, we all think they're going to be good quarterbacks. We don't actually know. We actually know with 100% of the, without a doubt that Kirk Cousins is a great NFL quarterback. Not the best, not Tom Brady, not Aaron Rodgers, but Kirk Cousins can win you a lot of games and get you to the playoffs if you support him well enough. You, we don't know that for the other guys. We are without a doubt guaranteed Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. If the Browns can land Kirk Cousins it changes a lot of things because it allows you to draft new starters. So here's what I would do if the Browns can get Kirk Cousins. I use the number one overall pick and I draft Saquon Barkley. Easy. Of course you do that. Great. Saquon Barkley's incredible. Everybody in the NFL would love to have Saquon Barkley. You draft Saquon Barkley number one overall. Then with the number four overall pick, you pick NC State's Bradley Chubb, a defensive end. He is fantastic. The NFL is all about quarterbacks. If all this happened, if the Browns signed Kirk Cousins, then they get Saquon Barkley, then they get Bradley Chubb. Not only would the Browns have a franchise quarterback, they would absolutely 
terrorize other quarterbacks. Can you imagine playing a team where you have Miles Garrett on one side and Bradley Chubb on the other? <laughs> That's awful. Two defensive ends that were picking the picked in the top five, number one and number four overall. That's scary. That's terrifying. Quarterbacks would not want to play the Browns. They could possibly end Ben Roethlisberger's career with one move. Here's what you do if you're the Browns. You get a quarterback and then you build your defense. But you must get a quarterback. I'm rooting for Kirk Cousins. I want Kirk Cousins to go to the Browns. But if you don't if he doesn't go to the Browns, you still need to pick a quarterback. Driving me nuts, man. It's driving me nuts. I think it's interesting. I I think this is very interesting. There is a absolute definite spectrum of teams interested in Kirk Cousins. On one end of the spectrum, you have teams with a lot of money to spend. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have teams that if Kirk Cousins goes there, they have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins can win a lot. So money and on one side, winning on the other. Kirk Cousins is great for the Browns. The Browns are not necessarily good for Kirk Cousins. These are the teams interested in Kirk Cousins. You have the Broncos, the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Cardinals, the Jets, the Bills, and the Cleveland Browns. You have bad teams that can pay Kirk Cousins a lot of money. And you have good teams where you have potential to win a Super Bowl. So the Cardinals, the Bills, the Browns, and the Jets, they are all bad teams with a lot of money to give Kirk Cousins. So of all these teams, I pick the Cleveland Browns. Because if I'm going to sell out, if I'm going to go to a bad team and just get paid a lot of money, I'm going to go to the bad team that can pay me the most money. And also, honestly, of all those teams, of the Jets, the Bills, the Browns, and the Cardinals, the Browns actually have the brightest future. They have the most assets and seem like they could actually build something. Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, is a good match with Kirk Cousins. Todd Haley's known as a, (laughs) to put it nicely, a tough guy that demands a lot. Now, Kirk Cousins is incredibly coachable, much more so than Ben Roethlisberger is. If you remember, Ben Roethlisberger had a big struggle with Todd Haley. Kirk Cousins would work well with the Browns offensive coordinator, Todd Haley. So now you have, I think, the Browns on one end of the spectrum as the favorite. Then you have on the other side of the spectrum, teams that are good, that can give you a chance to win games. You have the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Jaguars. I said last week that I think Kirk goes to the Broncos. I'm actually going to change my opinion. So these three teams are all teams that if Kirk Cousins joins tomorrow, Kirk Cousins could take them to a Super Bowl. Now the Jaguars have Blake Bortles on a big contract. They're out. I'm, I'm eliminating the Jaguars. So you have the Broncos and the Vikings. If Kirk Cousins wants to win a Super Bowl, he should go to the Minnesota Vikings. If I'm Kirk and I want to win a Super Bowl, I'm getting on the phone right now, calling my agent and saying, hey, get Minnesota on the phone. Tell them I want to play for them. The Vikings have great receivers, a great running back coming back from an injury, a great offensive line, and a great defense. The Vikings 
simply need a quarterback. And they have young players. They're on the upswing. They have more to grow. The Broncos are going down. They're aging. The Vikings are going up. If I want to win a quarterback and I'm Kirk Cousins, I am joining the Minnesota Vikings. And Kirk is from Michigan. Kirk is a Midwest guy. The Vikings are a perfect, the Vikings are a perfect fit for Kirk Cousins. And reports, by the way, there are reports that say the Vikings could actually afford Kirk Cousins' contract. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, man, it feels like, feels like I've been doing a whole podcast already. My goodness, we are not nearly done. When I return from my short break, uh, we're going to talk about Nick Foles. I got something wrong. I still don't think Nick Foles is a franchise quarterback, but I got something wrong. I'm going to get to the bottom of that right now. Who is the best quarterback in the NFL draft? We're going to talk about some Kansas City Chiefs news. We're going to talk about Johnny Manziel. And there's an interesting Portland Trailblazer story down the road involving LeBron James we're going to talk about. Please, uh, what am I saying? You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. You can also find my shorter, best, most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. You guys are doing a fantastic job already. If you like this podcast, Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Man, we are actually already at 48 minutes on the time clock. Unbelievable. We have we have three more segments left. This I told you. I told you guys. This would be the longest podcast I ever did. I said I didn't meet the 1 o'clock deadline. I'm going to put everything into this podcast. We got a lot of stuff to talk about left. I'm going to take a short break, grab some water, go to the bathroom. I will be right back. I hate my classes. I, I'm really legitimately struggling. I hate my college classes. It drives me nuts. And someone recently asked me, why don't I look into going to the Dan Patrick School of Broadcasting? First of all, I'm broke. I, I am absolutely broke. Uh, the Dan Patrick School of Broadcasting is in Florida. And just because you put your name on something doesn't mean that it's great. I doubt Dan Patrick really does a lot with their program. I think Dan Patrick is probably incredibly busy doing his show. I think what they did is Full Sail University paid Dan Patrick to put his name on their program. Now, now regardless, I grew up listening to Colin Cowherd. I grew up and I attended the Colin Cowherd School of Broadcasting. Uh, In my opinion, Colin Cowherd is the greatest sports broadcaster of all time. I listened to Colin Cowherd every day. Single day growing up. Colin Coward is on the Mount Rushmore of sports broadcasters. He's the Michael Jordan or LeBron James of sports broadcasting, if you ask me. Uh, I, I don't have time anymore to listen to Colin's show. It, it's a sad thing for me. It drives me nuts, but I'm, I'm busy. I, I take 18 credits and I do a podcast every other day. Uh, and I really only listen to Colin. It's great when I take long car rides. It's my favorite thing in the world. But Colin Cowherd always said two things that stuck with me. Growing up, these two things that Colin always said changed my life and really changed my perspective. One is Colin Cowherd always said the goal of his show was to be interesting. I have taken that to heart. It helped me a ton. I'm wrong all the time, but I love my show. And I hope that my show makes you think And I hope my show is incredibly interesting. Interesting is the goal. I want it to be interesting and I want it to be entertaining to listen to. 
Now, the second thing Colin Cowherd always said when I was growing up, Colin Cowherd said, I don't want to be right. I want to get it right. I, I love this. I love this philosophy. I think it's really healthy and important. First of all, it gives you permission to be wrong and, and it allows you to take chances. I, I like that. But there's also a lot of humility in saying, I, wanna, I don't want to be right. I want to get it right. That attitude has a lot of humility. People can say to me, hey, man, uh, I think you're wrong. And, and I love my ideas. But if you present a better argument than me, I have open ears. I'm ready to listen. I'm happy to change my mind. And I think that's very important when you, when you go around the earth. You should have an open mind and be willing to listen and take in other people's ideas. That is what exactly, that is exactly what happened to me yesterday. Last night, my buddy Mark and I went to see Black Panther. It was awesome. I loved it. And Mark challenged my beliefs on Nick Foles. I was wrong. And I can admit when I am wrong. Around the time of the Super Bowl, I was heavily critical of Nick Foles because of the report that Nick Foles had once considered quitting football. I heard that report and I was like, no way. Tom Brady and Drew Brees, they would have never considered quitting. Well, here's some history. In college, Tom Brady had to split time with another quarterback. And in the NFL draft, nobody wanted Tom Brady. You can read the draft. You can read the scouting report. People thought Tom Brady was not an NFL quarterback. And Drew Brees hurt his shoulder. And when Drew Brees hurt his shoulder, the San Diego Chargers decided to go with Phillip Rivers and make Phillip Rivers their starting quarterback. They cast Drew Brees aside. They're like, nah, we don't want you, Drew Brees. You're damaged goods. So we don't know what went through Tom Brady or Drew Brees' head when they dealt with adversity. Especially Tom Brady. If nobody wanted Tom Brady, we have to assume that he at least probably considered leaving football. If, if nobody wanted him, he needed a job. I'm sure Tom Brady thought, you know, I might have to go sell insurance. I might have to take a desk job because you got to pay your bills somehow. The point is, we do know what Nick Foles was thinking. I actually want to commend Nick Foles for his honesty and his authenticity. I really do. Maybe that's why the Eagles believed in him. Maybe the Eagles just appreciated that he was honest and real. They said, we'll follow Nick Foles. He's just, he's legitimate. He's, he's calling it like he sees it. He's just a real, authentic dude. When my brother died... I left college, and I quit football. I am a total hypocrite for criticizing Nick Foles. What's most important about Nick Foles is that Nick Foles did not quit. I, I, when my brother died and I, I dealt with adversity, I had to take time off of school, a year and a half. I backed off and said, I, I can't do this right now. Again, what's most important is that Nick Foles did not quit. He picked himself back up. And regardless of everything else, Nick Foles is a Super Bowl MVP, 
and a Super Bowl champion. No one can ever take that away from Nick Foles. I was wrong. I criticized him for considering quitting. When I myself, I dealt with adversity, I had to back off. We've probably all had hard times in our lives. We're like, this is really tough. And I'm considering I might need to back off. Just because Nick Foles was honest and said, hey, I did consider quitting when my career sucked. I shouldn't have gone after him for that. I should have said, hey, I appreciate his honesty, his authenticity, and his realness. Man, I got all nervous. I compare, you know, I talk about Colin Coward and I have something like, oh no, I better say the right thing. The microscope is on as if like anybody cares. I'm here talking. I love my thing. I love doing this show. Um, I, I really admire and respect Colin Coward. He, he taught me a lot about life growing up. He, he doesn't, he'll, I'll probably never meet him. I'd love to, if I have the option, I would, I would do anything to get lunch with Colin Coward. Uh, but that dude influenced my life so much and my worldview and my perspectives, uh, a lot. Really did. So who is the best quarterback in the NFL draft? There are five notable quarterbacks this year in the NFL draft. Four of them are obvious. One of them is not. So you have Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. Those are all obvious guys. We're like, yeah, they're the top quarterbacks in the NFL draft. Of course, we're going to talk about them. But I think Luke Falk is also very, very interesting. I once made a video video called Luke Falk is not an NFL quarterback. I'm going to leave it up. It gets lots of views. I think it's interesting. If nothing else, that conversation, that video is very interesting. So Luke Falk is from Washington State University. And he holds basically every single Pac-12 record. And I was incredibly critical of him. And I, I stand by all of my criticisms of Luke Falk, I, I really, really do. Luke Falk played in Mike Leach's air raid system, an inf- a system that inflated Luke Falk's stats. And Luke Falk straight up disappeared at times. There were times where it's like he didn't even show up to play. He was god-awful in a couple games his senior year. Luke Falk was also benched multiple times his senior season. He split times with another quarterback. It's alarming. That's concerning. There are real legitimate concerns about Luke Falk that I stand by. Absolutely. There are big red flags about Luke Falk. But Luke Falk is interesting because of his parallels with one quarterback, Tom Brady. First of all, the way they stand in the pocket, they throw the exact same way. They are like, like Luke Falk studied Tom Brady and made himself a tiny little carbon copy of Tom Brady. But it doesn't end there. Luke Falk walked on to Washington State's football team because nobody wanted him. Sound familiar? Nobody wanted Tom Brady when he came out. And Luke Falk senior year had to split time with a senior. Uh, Luke Falk's senior year, he had to split time with another younger quarterback. That is something that Tom Brady also did. Luke Falk is incredibly resilient. Nothing is certain with Luke Falk. We have no idea what he's going to turn into. We don't know that he's going to be a great quarterback. But I would keep your eye on Luke Falk. He's interesting. He really is. Especially if Luke Falk goes to the Patriots. If I'm the New England Patriots, I would draft Luke Falk. And I would develop him. So what I would do. 
because you're not going to get one of the top four. And I think Luke Falk is the fifth best quarterback in this draft. Take him in the second, third round, just like you did Jimmy Garoppolo, and develop him over time. But Luke Falk is not the best quarterback in this draft. So who is? For me, if you ask me, the best quarterback in this year's NFL draft is either Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. Sam Darnold from USC, Josh Allen from Wyoming. Now, here's what will happen this year in the NFL draft. Josh Rosen from UCLA will go to the Giants. And he will have immediate success. He's got a good offensive coordinator, good offensive head coach, Odell Beckham Jr. And Josh Rosen, of all the quarterbacks in the NFL draft, is the most prepared to play tomorrow. He's the most prepared quarterback to play right now. And the minute Josh Rosen has a little bit of success, we're going to start seeing articles and opinions. Josh Rosen was the best quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Uh, respectfully disagree. Josh, Josh Rosen's really smart. He's incredibly talented. But people say that Josh Rosen got bored at UCLA. Uh... Don't get bored of success. Being successful isn't always exciting. It's not always fun. I edit videos all night. That part isn't exactly exciting. That's not what I want to do. I like this part. This part's really fun. The writing part's really fun. The video editing part, not fun for me. But I don't care how... People are like, oh, Josh Rosen clearly got bored. And they got all excited. They're like, this is just a sign of how smart and intelligent Josh Rosen is. No, that's not exciting. It's alarming. It's, it's actually a, a big problem. Josh Rosen got bored of success. You don't want that. You want a guy who's disciplined, who doesn't get bored of doing things right. That's why I'm worried about Josh Rosen. I might have been saying Josh Allen. I've met Josh Rosen this whole time. Josh Allen is uh, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen from UCLA is not the best quarterback in this draft. Josh Rosen, because he could not dedicate himself, and he apparently got bored at UCLA. It's a big red flag. I think he's the most ready to play. He's going to have success the earliest. Josh Rosen is not the best quarterback in this year's NFL draft. So who is? Who is the best quarterback in this year's NFL draft? Is it Baker Mayfield? The rumor is Baker Mayfield is going to go to the New York Jets. I love Baker Mayfield. I love his competitive attitude. He's like a really feisty pit bull. He just, ah, he's aggressive. And I like, I enjoy watching Baker Mayfield. Right now, the Jets have a quarterback named Josh McCown. He's small. He's scrappy. He's got a, a weaker arm. That's just a description of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield with the Jets is Mark Sanchez all over again. A little more aggressive, a little more feisty Mark Sanchez. The problem with Baker Mayfield is he needs to play somewhere warm. The Jets play in a cold weather division, a bad weather division. And Baker Mayfield needs to play somewhere with warm weather. Baker Mayfield's size is a problem. Not, not his height. I don't care about his height. I care about his physical tools. I care about his arm strength. His arm strength is concerning if you're playing in Buffalo or Denver or Cleveland or New York where you need to have a big, strong arm to cut through the heavy wind and all the snow. 
That's why I'm concerned about Baker Mayfield. It's not his size. It's not his off-the-field issues. It's his arm strength. Most of the teams in this year's NFL draft are cold-weather teams, which is why Sam Darnold or Josh Allen are better options. So either Sam Darnold or Josh Allen from Wyoming, one of those two quarterbacks will be the best quarterback in this year's NFL draft. They have the physical tools to succeed in Buffalo, in Cleveland, in Denver. Josh Allen right now today is better than both of them. But I would bet money over time. Sam Darnold and Josh Allen will work harder than UCLA's quarterback, Josh Rosen. They have better personalities, more suited to be uh, franchise quarterbacks in the NFL. Make no mistake. If you go to the Browns or the Bills, you will struggle early. So it'll look like, oh, wow, Sam Darnold doesn't have it. He's playing on the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Like, Of course, he's going to struggle for a while. Sam Darnold's 20 years old. If he goes to Cleveland, they will have to be patient. They can't give up on him early. They got to support him, invest in him, and trust him. I've been around Sam Darnold. I trained with Sam Darnold in high school. Sam Darnold is different upstairs. Sam Darnold has a different mentality. I believe, I believe in Sam Darnold. I think eventually he will make it happen. He's the kind of guy, has the kind of mentality Sam Darnold is. Sam Darnold is the kind of guy who could make it happen in Cleveland. Who are the two personalities that could turn around the Cleveland Browns? Josh Allen from Wyoming and Sam Darnold from USC. Now, whoever goes to Denver obviously gets the best roster. So whoever goes to Denver will have probably the best chance to win a playoff game early. Uh, Josh Rosen in the Giants system will look great. It'll look awesome. He may not make the playoffs. Whoever goes to the Broncos will probably make the playoffs first. So I believe that Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold, Josh, Josh Rosen, I keep saying Josh Rosen, Josh Allen from Wyoming or Sam Darnold from USC, one of those two guys will be the best quarterback in this year's NFL draft. And we look back in five years, uh, Josh Rosen was great. We liked him. He's good. He's like a Matt Ryan level. Awesome. Sam Darnold, Josh Allen from Wyoming, Josh Allen, those two are I think a head and shoulders above everybody else from the mentality standpoint. I don't want the smartest guy in the room. I don't. My brother was really smart. My brother's not alive. I think that people, you can, there's a thing that's too smart, too smart for your own good. I think it's possible that Josh Rosen is too smart for his own good. I really do. Sam Darnold, he's going to work his butt off. And I, I don't know that Josh Rosen from USCLA will. I trained with Sam Darnold in high school. I've seen that dude's mentality. He's a workhorse. He gets it. I was really impressed with Josh Allen from Wyoming in the Senior Bowl. Josh Allen in the Senior Bowl had a kind of a rough start. Going to halftime, he comes out and he says, I want to play. I want to do better. I want to leave something better as my legacy here at the Senior Bowl. He goes back in and he took over the Senior Bowl. He threw two touchdowns, played incredible. I was incredibly impressed with Josh Allen's competitiveness not to mention Josh Allen turned around Wyoming Wyoming was awful before he got there and they left on a high winning I think two bowl games in a row really doing well the point is 
I don't know who the best quarterback in this draft is, but it's definitely between Josh Allen from Wyoming and Sam Darnold from USC. I read an article last week that the Kansas City Chiefs turned down big offers for Alex Smith from the Broncos and the Browns. So the Broncos and the Browns offered the Kansas City Chiefs lots and lots of assets in order to try to acquire Alex Smith. And the Kansas City Chiefs said, we're not working with you guys. Now, many people reacted to this article very surprised. They couldn't believe it. My initial response when I read this was, of course, of course. The Broncos are only a quarterback away from potentially winning a Super Bowl. Now, this this story tells us two things. This story tells us that the Chiefs do believe Alex Smith really can play. They think they believe Alex Smith can still win games in the NFL. And the other thing that this story tells us is that the Kansas City Chiefs ultimately believe in Patrick Mahomes and think he's even better than Alex Smith was. Remember, Alex Smith was a Pro Bowl quarterback, and they decided to go with Patrick Mahomes instead of Alex Smith, and their unwillingness to trade Alex Smith within the AFC. See, the, the, the Broncos is obvious, right? You don't want to help your competitor. But the fact that they weren't willing to give Alex Smith to the Browns says they think really highly of Alex Smith. They were like, no, no, no. We don't even want to compete with Alex Smith. We're not even going to trade him within our own conference, not even within the AFC. Not, not only the AFC West, the entire AFC is off limits. We're going to ship Alex Smith all the way off to the Redskins so we don't have to even compete with him. So that, that says a lot of good things about Alex Smith. Now, if the Kansas City Chiefs think this highly of Alex Smith, they must really believe in their backup, Patrick Mahomes. If you remember last year in the NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs traded up to the number 10 overall 10 overall pick to get Patrick Mahomes. Shocked everybody. It surprised me. I was like, wow. They must think really highly of Patrick Mahomes. And clearly they do. Patrick Mahomes has a huge arm. Seems like he really could. This dude has incredible ability, like Brett Favre level talent. And it seems like if Patrick Mahomes is the guy they believe in, which they seem to do actually believe in, if Patrick Mahomes is the guy that the Kansas City Chiefs believe in. He's going to turn the corner for the Chiefs and get them to a Super Bowl. Because again, their roster is unbelievable. And they need a quarterback that stretches the ball downfield, take risks and take shots. And that is what Patrick Mahomes will do next season for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, my mouth is getting dry. I need some water. When I return, God, we're an hour 14. Going by so fast. This is crazy. When I return, we're going to talk about The former Colts general manager talked about Lamar Jackson, a former Heisman Trophy winner. He said that Lamar Jackson should switch from quarterback to wide receiver. I'm going to react to that, share my thoughts on that. We're going to talk about the Blazers. We're going to talk about Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel finally has my attention. Johnny Manziel, I'm listening. You have my attention. I'll hear what you have to say. And I hate, oh, I hate brackets for March Madness. That'll be fun. We'll talk about that. My name is Zach Schaumler. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. 
You can also find my best, most interesting clips on YouTube. If you like strong opinion sports as much as I do, tell your friends about strong opinion sports. You guys are doing an incredible job. Continue to tell your friends about strong opinion sports. I love this thing. We're growing like crazy. We just got to 475 subscribers. Continue to tell your friends about strong opinion sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. The former Colts general manager, Bill Polian, came out today and said that Lamar Jackson should switch from quarterback to wide receiver. Lamar Jackson is a former Louisville quarterback. He also won the Heisman Trophy in 2016. I completely agree. I agree that Lamar Jackson should switch from quarterback to wide receiver. Lamar Jackson's an incredible athlete. But Lamar Jackson struggles with accuracy, and he's a really thin, frail dude. So running quarterbacks are a gamble. Running gambling, gambling makes you feel cool. It's great. You can win big. You can win a lot of money when you gamble. But you could also lose everything when you gamble. Carson Wentz got hurt running the ball last season. RG three, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson tore his ACL. Lamar Jackson takes a ton of hits. And, and that's okay-ish in college. You can get away with taking a lot of hits. In the NFL, taking a lot of hits at quarterback is not sustainable. Nope. Doesn't work. And Lamar Jackson isn't even good enough to start at quarterback in the NFL. Lamar Jackson is too talented an athlete to sit on the bench. It'd be a waste. It'd be horrible. It'd be sad. Put Lamar Jackson at wide receiver. Get the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands in space. Give him the ball and let him work his magic. He's incredible. The dude, not to mention, by the way, Lamar Jackson would make a wicked trick play. Like, because the dude can throw a football. Not incredible, like not at an NFL level, but at at wide receiver, the double pass options are incredible. I'm just curious to see what happens with Lamar Jackson. I really do believe Lamar Jackson should also switch from quarterback to wide receiver. He's just better served. He's a better asset for your football team. If he's a wide receiver, he's a waste of space. If he's sitting as your backup quarterback, you have a great, incredible athlete just sitting on the bench. Because his acceleration, his ability with the ball in his hands, he's an incredible runner. Why waste that by letting him sit on the bench? He shouldn't. Get Lamar Jackson on the field. He's a better asset at receiver than quarterback because he will play. He will be healthier, and he will get more playing time. You want Lamar Jackson on an NFL field. You don't want him sitting on the sidelines. He's not. He's not a great quarterback. He's not. He's not an NFL level quarterback. He's definitely an NFL level athlete. Put him at wide receiver. Put him at kick return. Get the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands because the dude is a freak of nature with the ball. You want Lamar Jackson running the ball, not necessarily throwing the ball. You want Lamar Jackson running the ball. I'm very curious to see what Lamar Jackson decides to do. Will Lamar Jackson switch from wide receiver to quarterback? I'm sure he's training as a quarterback right now, and maybe he sticks to his guns. And in that case, dude, I'm rooting for you. I I would love to see Lamar Jackson do well. I'm not rooting against him at all. I just think if he goes to a team that already has a quarterback, put the guy at wide receiver Get him on the field. He's too good an athlete to have sitting on the bench. I believe Lamar Jackson should switch from quarterback to wide receiver.
The Portland Trailblazers have Damian Lillard, who has made multiple All-Star games. They also have CJ McCollum, a really good an NBA player, kind of a fringe-level All-Star type guy. Now, recently on Twitter, CJ McCollum said he wants the Portland Trailblazers to go after Paul George in the offseason. And if that happened, if if the, if the Portland Trailblazers were able to land Paul George, it's possible LeBron James could join them. And that's a fearsome foursome I, I believe in. Paul George, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, LeBron James. That team, it's a big four that could beat the Golden State Warriors. Paul George, Damian Lillard, LeBron, CJ McCollum. That's scary. Don't forget that last year in the playoffs, a Portland Trailblazers team made up of just CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, just those two stars together were able to beat the Golden State Warriors in the first game of their playoff series. Just imagine adding Paul George and LeBron James. Then the Warriors would be in trouble. So obviously adding Paul George and LeBron makes would make the Portland Trailblazers the favorite. The problem is it would never, ever happen. Paul George is going to Los Angeles. He's going to the Lakers. I'm convinced that Paul George is going to LA. And if you don't get Paul George, the Blazers would not get LeBron James. The reason is this. There is already a team with two NBA stars that's way more attractive than the Blazers. So if they don't get Paul George, the Portland Trailblazers would just be CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. What's the difference between them and the Houston Rockets? Houston Rockets have... Chris Paul, and James Harden. If I'm going to pick either the Rockets or the Blazers, I'm going to pick the Rockets because those are two stars that are even better than Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So LeBron James is never, ever going to the Portland Trailblazers. We're never talking about that again. I saw an article. I was like, no, hell no, not happening. Have you ever met someone in a bad relationship? Like a relationship that was really bad for them? You're like, Oh, why are you dating this person? This person hurts you. This person's bad for your life. But your friend is like so committed, so invested in this relationship. They're like, I'm never leaving. I'm ride or die with this person. And it's, it's really unhealthy. It's bad for them. That is Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard says he will never, ever leave the Portland Trailblazers. Sadly then, Damian Lillard will also never, ever win an NBA championship. I'm from Portland. I'm not trying to hate on Portland. I'm a Portland guy. I grew up there. But the Portland Trailblazers are not a free agent destination in the NBA. I mean, you have you have maybe the 17th best player in the NBA. Anywhere between, you know, Damian Lillard's anywhere from like 14 to 24. Like 14th, maybe the 24th best player in the NBA. And sadly... Damian Lillard will never, ever win an NBA championship because he's not going to get anyone to come play with him. He's a, he's a middling all-star who's not going to ever be able to win by himself. Like LeBron James could carry a team to a championship. Damian Lillard is not LeBron James. He's not Russell Westbrook. He's his own lower level. Like He's like a third-tier all-star, if that's even possible. So sadly... Damian Lillard will never, ever compete for an NBA championship unless he either recruits more talent to Portland 
or he all out decides to leave the Blazers for greener pastures. But because Damian Lillard says, I will never, ever leave Portland, he's never, ever going to win a championship. It's sad for Damian Lillard. It's true. It's honest. Now, Drew Brees is very similarly committed to New Orleans. Drew Brees says he will never, ever leave the New Orleans Saints. Now, I would love to see Drew Brees take a chance and go to Minnesota. I mean, Drew Brees' contract is up, and man, oh my goodness, Drew Brees would just annihilate everybody if he played in Minnesota. But Drew Brees will never, ever leave New Orleans. I don't know that this one's necessarily unhealthy for Drew Brees. Like, Damian Lillard has no chance. At least Drew Brees has a chance to win a championship in New Orleans. Drew Brees is comfortable with his coach, and they just made the playoffs. And that's why Drew Brees ultimately will never win. If the Saints were awful, if the Saints were like 5-11 and and Drew Brees played great, but they just had no chance of winning— then maybe Drew Brees would leave. But because they were this close to, they were like inches away from a chance to play in the NFC Championship and then ultimately a Super Bowl, because Drew Brees was so close and didn't make it, he's never going to leave New Orleans. Because Drew Brees really believes he can win a Super Bowl in New Orleans. There is no, any rumor you hear about Drew Brees ever leaving New Orleans, never, ever going to happen. End that discussion right Now, would I love to see Drew Brees in Minnesota? Absolutely. Will Drew Brees ever actually go to Minnesota? Hell no. No, no, no. He's never leaving New Orleans. Drew Brees will never, ever leave the New Orleans Saints organization. All right, I have two stories left. We're going to talk about Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel has my attention. And then we're going to talk about why I hate March Madness I don't hate March Madness. What I hate is the bracket system. The brackets drive me nuts. March Madness is fine. I don't mind basketball. The bracket system is just ridiculous and drives me nuts. Let's start with this. Johnny Manziel actually has my attention. The reason why is Johnny Manziel will take part in the NFL Spring League in March and April. You're like, what is the NFL Spring League? I've never heard of that. Yeah, neither had I. I'd never heard of the NFL Spring League. The NFL Spring League is a development league for football players that runs from March 28th to April 15th. God, I hope this is televised. I really, really do. I want to watch this. There's not a lot of sports going on March 28th to April 15th. I want to watch some football. I would love to see. I would watch every single practice. I'd, I'd record it on my TV, and I would watch that. Oh, I would love that. So please, if we can do that, I don't know if anyone's listening, probably nobody. I really, really hope the NFL Development League is put on TV somewhere. I would watch that. Now, Johnny Manziel entering the NFL Spring League is interesting for a couple of reasons. First, I want to watch Johnny Manziel. I, I am fascinated with Johnny Manziel. His whole mess, his whole operation is just incredibly interesting to me. And here's why Johnny Manziel is interesting to me. I love success. I'm fascinated by success. And I'm fascinated by train wrecks. Like, I love the Patriots. The Patriots are so fascinating and fun to watch. But so are the Cleveland Browns. Really, really great is fascinating. And really, really bad is also fascinating. You don't want to be boring. And Johnny Manziel is nothing. uh, No one's ever said Johnny Manziel is boring. Like, not at all. He's not even remotely boring. But Johnny Manziel's, like, I'm actually curious. 
Can Johnny Manziel make a comeback? Could Johnny Manziel actually make it happen? Probably not, but I'm I'm dang curious. And I think a guy like Johnny Manziel would fit perfectly in the XFL. If the XFL wants to grab my attention and make me watch, they need to get a guy like Johnny Manziel because I would watch that in a heartbeat. I really would. I'm just incredibly curious and fascinated. I've, I compared the Lonzo Ball situation to a science experiment. I think that Johnny Manziel is kind of like a science experiment. I have no idea what's going to happen, and I just want to see. I'm, I'm curious. I want to watch that play out. Johnny Manziel actually does fascinate me. So I'm curious. I want to watch him in the NFL Spring League. And I would actually watch the XFL if they were able to land Johnny Manziel. Now, I would only watch the XFL when Johnny Manziel was on the field. But it's a problem for another day. At least they got one viewer. The XFL would have one guy watching if they signed Johnny Manziel. <laughs> All right. Last thing. God, it's almost March, by the way. My goodness. What? what where did the time go? It just, it is flying by like crazy. We just had New Year's and it's already almost March. Like I turn 21 next month. Oh no. I said my age. Dang it. I was hoping to get away. I was hoping how long, I wanted to see how long I could get away with not telling you guys my age to see how, how what you guys would guess. You know, I'd honestly probably talk about my 21st birthday when it happened anyways. So you would have figured out then. So I'm excited. That'll be a fun, fun time of my life. Maybe I'll drink a beer like on the podcast. <laughs> Actually, my idea, that'd be fun. We're in the middle of Olympics uh, season. We're in the middle of the Olympics, and I just don't care about the Olympics. It's almost it's almost March, and I really I really struggle with sports that don't have judges. I really just if you if you if your sport has a judge, that's a competition to me. I I just it's so subjective. I, I was watching figure. I was doing a I was doing homework in a cafe, and they had the Olympic figure skating on. I'm like I don't. This is all subjective. What makes that flip better than that other flip the other guy did? I'm sure there's like landing technique. I'm sure there's actual science behind it. People understand. For me, it's all subjective, and that drives me nuts. It's the same reason why I don't watch the dunk competition. How the heck am I supposed to know what dunk is better than this other dunk? Like, they're all like crazy and cool. I couldn't do any of them, so it's all fascinating and fantastic to me. Like, why is that dunk a 10 and that dunk is a nine? I have no idea. There's no rules. It's just all opinion. I have no interest in competitions that have judges. I'll watch the highlights later. Like I I do that with the Olympics. I watch the highlights of the dunk contest and I watch the highlights of cool snowboarding stuff. I, I like to watch Sean White do crazy flips. I don't need to watch it live. I watch the two minute video on YouTube. That's enough for me. I enjoy winners and losers. I like clear definitions. That's why I don't like competition stuff. And it's almost March. Which means March Madness is coming up. March Madness is a time where we all pretend to care about college basketball. I don't hate March Madness. I hate the brackets. Like the bracketology, the whole, ooh, the science behind it. It's just stupid and wrong. It's ridiculous. Like how in the world am I supposed to pick a team named like, like, there's these teams like Fordham and Delaware State. How in the world am I supposed to know if they're going to win? I have no, I don't know. You don't know. Don't pretend like you watch Fordham basketball. Nobody does. That's ridiculous. That's what drives me nuts. I hardly even watch the big schools. Why in the world would I watch the tiny Delaware states of the world? 
I'm not informed. I have no chance to win. I have no chance to fill out a perfect bracket because I have no idea what teams are even on the stinking bracket. (sighs) Who really is informed? Like, who actually watches all 64 teams all year? And, And the problem is, it's not even 64 teams. 64 teams are chosen to be in the bracket. You'd have to watch like 100 different basketball teams every day to be caught up and to know every single team's science and which is best, which is not. Nobody, nobody's that informed. Nobody actually watches that much college basketball and can really predict what teams are going to win what games in an NCAA tournament. I don't like the brackets because I have no chance to win. And it's like, I'm not going to do that much work. It's ridiculous. It drives me nuts. I will not participate in making a bracket. I don't know if that's clear. It probably is clear. To me, it's just a giant waste of time. Like, there, there are two things, uh, three things I'm weird about. I, I just don't do March Madness. I don't do fantasy football, and I have no interest in the Olympics. Like, fantasy football especially, it's like a full-time job. You know how much time it takes to, like, make your fantasy roster every week and pick teams, and there's a draft and money involved. And I'm like, nah, dude, I have no interest, man. My time is better spent doing other things. Like, I'm happy people love those things I just listed, but they are not for me. Not, not me at all. I just do not enjoy that. I, I simply do not care about the Olympics, March Madness, or fantasy football. And that's my show. That's all I have to say. I just, dude, who, who, who's enjoying the Olympics? Like, let's be, really? No, not me. Definitely not me. I definitely not enjoying the Olympics. I don't care. I simply do not care one bit. All right. My name is Zach Schaumler. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. You can also find shorter clips, my best, most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. You guys are doing, I looked a couple minutes ago, and Strong Opinion Sports was at 477 subscribers. I think this video could actually push us over the top and get us to 500 subs this week. I think we could make it. That's incredible. That is so cool. God, it it excites me, man. I I can't believe you guys watch this and you like this and enjoy it. I just ramble about sports for an hour and 40 minutes now. Uh, So thank you so very much. I really appreciate you guys. I'm so grateful you guys watch and listen and pay attention. Probably, I guess, I leave a running clock. This this, this podcast is probably an hour, 30 minutes. Dude, that's impressive. I'm proud of that. (laughs) That's really cool. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys. Hope you guys have a great day. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about on Wednesday. I burned all of my material, but that's okay. I wanted to make today's podcast incredible, really detailed, really fun. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I love delivering it. I feel like I could talk for another hour. I'm, I'm tired. I want to get some food. I'm really hungry. But I really could just keep rattling off all kinds of stuff. I, I love it, man. I, I love this so much. It's my favorite thing in the entire world. And thank you so very much for tuning in. But um bum bam, we're done.